You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. Hi, this is Jerry Conway, and you're listening to the Epic Marvel Podcast. Hey, everybody, we're back again for yet another episode of the Epic Marvel, Marvel Crossover, crossover over Podcast. podcast. <laughs> <laughs> that was even worse than the first day. Yeah, yeah. So in case but you, we're going to keep this one. Yeah, yeah, we'll go with that. So this is our take two with this episode. So, um, But that's all right. We'll dive into it. So, oh, boy. <laughs> so in case, um, in case it's your first time ever uh, checking out the show, let's just start out a little bit. Uh, introductions. I am your host, William Hoffneck. And I am your co-host, Jim Mason. Yep. And he, we are here. We, we're lucky enough to, uh, to work with Curtis Finley on the Epic Marvel podcast feed. He, he hasn't kicked us off quite yet. Um, so you're a, <laughs> a, a, a gentleman and a scholar and dare I say a Saint Curtis. Oh, a Saint. Know, yeah, possibly. Who knows? Saint Curtis. <laughs> so, um, what we do on this feed is uh, we do a, an episode about once a month and we break down in a Marvel intercompany crossover. So, you know, examples of, of previous episodes with like Superman versus the Hulk or uh, Batman and Punisher, right? So oh, times, that, that Batman Punisher, oh, I'm, I'm still having flashbacks. Batman Punisher episode. dumpster fire, right? <laughs> Lake yeah. of dumpster fires. Yeah, we're going to, that one's going to live, that, that one makes like the... Uh, the the Mount Rushmore of bad crossovers, Ooh, Mama. Yeah, we may we may after we do this for a while have to do an, a special episode where we do the Mount Rushmore of good ones. That's and, a great idea and uh, bad ones. But you know, maybe after we got you know a, a good chunk under our belt. Yeah, so. there you go. <laughs> we need a little bit more experience. First. That's right. So um, so in case you this is your first time checking it out, we're we're glad to have you. Yeah, thanks um, for showing up. We we appreciate your patronage. Yep, and um, like we said, we we like to break down these intercompany crossovers and and really you know we thought you know we we need to go back to the first yeah you know or at least what what is canonically recognized as the first intercompany crossover exactly that which broke down the vibrational barriers right that the, were separating the um uh the marvelous madmen of the marvel bullpen mm-hmm, from mm-hmm. the the dastardly doers of the distinguished competition right was that proper properly lee hyperbolic enough for you <laughs> yeah yeah that was pretty that was pretty stanley-esque right Excelsior, there Excelsior, true believers <laughs> and here we go <laughs> so um so with this what this is is this is uh 1976's Superman, ver- it's, it's called Superman versus yep. the Amazing Spider-Man. Yep. Okay, from 1976. Um, this was a this was a Treasury Edition book, which means it was giant. It was huge, right? Yeah. I, I love the Treasury Edition books. What, what's the size? Of, what eleven by ten or eleven uh, by fourteen? Ten and a half by thir- by fourteen, I think, or something like that. Yeah. yeah, they're they're huge. Um, oh. for, you know, I love them. I personally, I'm a huge oh, Treasury. I'm right fan. there with yeah. you. Yeah. 
I mean, they're they're when you open them up, they're just they're so big. The art's so huge, and right? You, you know, when Will and I were reading these treasury editions, we were tinier people. <laughs> I mean, now granted, if you meet us in real life, we're both well over six feet and yep. well over. Blah, 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 yeah, we are not small men. No, we are we are <laughs> not tiny. But back then, we were, mm-hmm. and these books were even gianter. Right, right. It's like it's is that a know, word? Giant or? Uh, I don't know. Okay. I'm not sure. All right. I'll take it. Okay. Um, but <laughs> you know what it reminds me of? It's like I, I, you used to be able to find those big like life magazines. Yes. Right? Exactly. I mean, it's not exactly the same proportion, but, but it's, about. it's something like that where it just feels big, yeah. right? Um, something that cannot be replicated on an iPad. Right. And really, this is one of the, I mean, it's one of the kings of the Treasury Edition comics. Now, I, I love Treasury Edition comics. 2001 Treasury Edition, Jack Kirby, oh. is my favorite single issue comic was of it, all time. Was that where Machine Man came no, from? No, Machine Man came from... That was well, the regular series. That was the regular okay. series issue number eight. So gotcha. that was a, that was a gotcha. little bit later. Um, but... I, I that's I whenever I see like I'm in a lot of comics trading groups and and people on Facebook whenever I see someone post a copy of the 2001 Treasury my response is always accept no substitute that's right that's it that's, that's right. to me is, is if I only had one comic that I could ever have for the rest of my life gotcha that's it because okay. it's huge and it's Kirby and yeah. it's 2001 uh, right like it's three of my favorite things ever put together oh uh, that is. Man, there was magical things happening at Marvel in those days. Right. Well, and and you know, it's, uh, well, let's let's digress I'm sorry. before I get I'm off sorry. on a 2001 rant. Right I, I don't want to do. I don't want. But I'm just saying that in general, they were really taking some major yep. risks at this point. But credit goes to DC because there was a lot of work being done between the two companies mm-hmm, to see mm-hmm. if this could actually happen. Sure. Right. And so, I mean, and that's the thing is at this point in time, right. Marvel and DC were, you know, still at the at least, at least on the on the uh, at least from the fans' perspective, there was there was a battle, right? Yes. Um, yes. Now this this quote unquote Marvel versus DC battle is often oh. overblown by the fans, right? Um, you know, about as violent as, as it got was the intercompany softball team, right? From what I heard, right? I mean, I, I mean, mean, they, they that was about as bad as it got, yeah. And I mean, sometimes you had a little bit of rivalries between some of the editors, or you had, you know, you had a few little things here and there, but really, it, it's mostly an argument between the fans, right? Right, exactly. And, um, and so which, which is in, still going on to this day. Oh, it is. And <laughs> and, and I mean and, and and it is fun to watch, you know, from again, from a, a speculator or a, a fan point point of view is watching, you know, the sales numbers change over the right. years mm-hmm. and figuring out, you know, which characters came out that caused X to happen or whatever in sales. So it is kind of a fun, interesting thing to study. But really this battle, quote unquote, right. It, it was a pretty cold war. Yeah. I mean it, it really was. And so in fact there was a lot of I mean just just, just to get off just on a, a super quick tangent, there was um, in the Avengers books, mm-hmm. they had unofficial crossovers before right. this time. So like in Avengers, right. they had the Squadron Supreme characters who were based on the Justice League. Right. And then vice versa. And they were the the heroes of Angmar or something. Yeah. Ang- Angor. It was basically a planet. And they that had you know characters like you know uh, um, uh, Wanjini the Thunderer mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. Silver Sorceress and Blue Jay the well, shrinking guy and and I mean you for you know what about Clark Kent who appeared in multiple 
Oh, you know, multiple we, Marvel comics. There was he, just a character called right. Clark Kent that was a reporter or right. something like that. Or it was, you know, it was obviously a play on. Well, Superman, it was it right? was a guy in a blue suit with a right. red tie. Right. And uh, yeah, he was he was always in the background shots. Yep. And they would do that stuff over at DC also. In fact, I think Roy Thomas and the Freedom Fighters mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, came out with. Oh, what was the name of the group? I can't remember, but he had a send up of the Invaders which was Marvel's 1940s uh, superhero team. And I think he worked on that book before. And then the Invaders had the Crusaders, which mm-hmm, were the mm-hmm. redressed freedom fighters. And, right. You know, they've been doing this stuff for years well, at this point. And, of course, the the whole shenanigans with Captain Marvel, right? Oh, you, well, know, you know, Captain Marvel versus other Captain Marvel versus uh, Fawcett versus, you know, versus uh, Shazam versus, you know. Yeah, that's that's a whole story right yeah. in and of itself. And, so. of course, and then, then there was also a third Captain Marvel that was completely separate but mixed up everything during that time. Time frame like it's it's and then of course then Miracle Man right and right. which was again the British revamp of Captain uh, Marvel right? oh yeah it was, I mean that's a whole other rabbit yeah. hole we can get into no nope, that's someday. a that's a whole nother mess yeah but anyway so anyway point being yes. even though that there was there was kind of this little rivalry there was this you know the this fight between the fans you know Superman and Batman on one side versus Spider Man and Fantastic Four on the other right right, right. and. In all that, the fans wanted to see a team up. Yeah. Right? Yep. They so, wanted to see the characters meet in some way. Yep. And so the, the the way that they did this, I mean, Stan Lee, of course, was still publisher at this time. Mm-hmm. Um, he got up he got over with uh with uh, Carmine Infantino, you oh, know, yeah. the the great longtime DC editor. And, and just I mean, he was the guy that created the Silver Age Flash, right. you know, co created him with Julius Schwartz and and uh, you know, just a I mean, a guy who was a working, even after he, he left being the editor-in-chief over at DC, he was a guy that went on to do the Star Wars comic at Marvel for years, went back to DC That's for right, years. Yeah. Um, you know, this guy was a working illustrator well into no. his 70s. Right, and he was, I mean, he's a hardcore comics guy. Oh. Right. He's one, he's, of, the, one of the all-time oh, greats. Yeah, one of the all-time greats, right. I think I said grape, but I meant great. <laughs> great. Um, so... They decided to get together and let's, you know what? Let's put out this big treasury edition. We can, we can charge $2 cover price for this baby. In 1976, $2. Yep. The average comic price, I want to say, was 25 cents at this point. Right, right. Yeah, right around there. And um, so this is right in the middle of the Bronze Age of comics, right? We're right in the, we're in, we're deep in the Bronze Age at this point. Um, We still have some years to go before we really kind of move into like the, you know, the post bronze Jim Shooter eighties right. kind of era, but we're this is this is deep bronze. All right, now talking about Bronze Age here. Let's just kick this off. Let's talk about this cover. Oh God. Um, this this cover is a marvel. I'm sorry, <laughs> I did not mean to say that, but it is mm-hmm. a wonder to behold. Right? No, this cover is really interesting and it's intriguing. One, you get you could get Superman, Spider Man. You get the tagline, greatest superhero team of all time, battle of the century. Right. And then you have two big figures of Spider Man and Superman right on the cover and perfectly illustrated. I mean, yeah. It, there's this really extreme angle. Yeah. It's actually a very weird angle that you don't see in comics all that often. No. Let let alone in a Spider-Man. Like, 
It, well, I shouldn't say that. Actually, you'll you'll see this more in a Spider-Man, but not as much in a Superman. But even then, from that altitude, it was almost like they were looking at you know the cityscapes of of New York, like like aerial photography or something yeah. like that. It's very reminiscent of that. It is, and it's it's got this really weird where it's it not only drops down but kind of curves yes. at the same time, right? Yes. So it almost has this. Almost like a fisheye effect. Almost. You know? Yeah, um, almost. It's a very strange angle. And and as we go through this book, this angle is used multiple times. Right. Not, I mean, yep. not, not just this angle, but these kind of weird, slightly askew, mm-hmm. slightly curved yep. angles to the drawing. And that there are things that, one, I don't feel like we're... we're v- I don't remember these in Bronze Age very much. You know, I remember the stuff because I was we were talking off air a little bit about how it how the cityscape almost looked photorealistic. Mm-hmm. And they were, you know, Ross Andrew, um, at the master that he was, wasn't the first guy to ever do stuff to that level of detail. I no, mean, right. you know, Jack Kirby. Right. And actually, even to a greater extent, I think, was Jim Steranko, especially yep. in his, yep. his Strange Tales days, um, you know, using actual photostat images, mm-hmm. drawing and coloring over those, mm-hmm. and then laying the art like an animator right. on top of that. The, almost like a rotoscope style. Exactly. Right? Yeah. You know, but in still image, which blows my mind for the day. But this is something completely different. This is something where they're actually, where Ross Andrew... No, they're forcing a perspective Forcing angle. a perspective that I don't think has, has really been done much since. I mean, it's been done, don't get right. me wrong, but it's not something you see a lot of. I can, yeah, I mean, and that's what I'm kind of tripping out by, because I don't know if I remember another cover at all. Like, in, at least not off the top of my head, can I think of a cover with this kind of extreme kind of forced perspective going on and if you dear listener know of one by all means hit us up on twitter with the hashtag epic crossover let us know because we want to see these yeah no i think i mean it's really neat yeah it's a really neat angle you know i mean it is if this was on the news if you imagine you were a kid or a comic book Mm -hmm. collector because you didn't have to be a kid in the 70s to buy comics um, and seeing a comic book like this of this size, again, that 10 and a half right. by 14 inch treasury size, and with a cover design like that, you couldn't help but see no. this cover. No. That to me is a genius, not only in, in, in art and graphic design, but in marketing as well. Yes. Yeah. And I, I get the feeling like they, they just let Ross Andrew go crazy on this is uh, what it kind of feels like. So let's talk a little bit about just the quick run through of the credits. Yep. We have been talking about Ross Andrew. He, he of course did the pencils on this. Yep. Um, we, we, it was written by Jerry Conway, one yeah. of the great, one of the great bronze age writers, really. Seriously. Right? Um, and, uh, and inks, then, inks by Dick Giordano. Oh my God. I had the pleasure of actually meeting him at WonderCon before it moved out of the Bay area mm-hmm. in California. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, they, at this time DC was taking open submissions. So right. I had him autograph their submissions sheet <laughs> and he said, good luck, Jim. And with the big Dick Giordano signature, yep. and he, he was just the sweetest guy. Um, but yeah, another legend, not. Not only a legendary editor in chief, but a legendary mm-hmm. anchor, I right. should say. Right. And I mean, really, this, this book's full of legends. Between Carmine Infantino and Stanley, who we already right. talked about, right. Jerry Conway on writing duty, Ross Andrew on pencils, yep. who's, of course, Ross Andrew's one of the great Spider Man artists. Oh, my right? God. Yes. I mean, he did, you know, such a, he followed up what, John Romita, right? Right. Uh, after Spider Man for, yep. yeah, during yep. Bronze Age. 
Right. And, and John Ramita, I mean, you went from Dicko to yeah. Ramita to Andrew. And even though their styles were all different, you could you could make the argument that that Ramita and, and Andrews were, were more similar, at least mm-hmm, as far as mm-hmm. the hard ink style. But man, just what a, 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 a what do you call it? A, a wealth mm-hmm. of talent that right. had been on that book. And I mean, that's why Amazing Spider-Man is, you know, especially up through, you know, the 80s, or even into the 90s. Even, I, I would say is, through the is, 90s. It's one of the yeah. premier collector books yeah. because it always had premier artists. It always had premier stories, right? Right. Even when they were bad. Yeah. Like, even the bad ones are good. Right. Right. They're better than a lot of the stuff. There were legendary runs in every, I mean, and if you look at it by decade from a historical perspective, there were legendary runs in each decade. Mm -hmm. Of this character, which you right. cannot say for it, no. for either Marvel yeah. or DC. Because when you go to the '80s, then you start talking. You had you know like McFarlane, right? Yeah. McFarlane and Michelini for a while, oh, yeah. right? And then and then then Eric Larson followed that up for another what thirty issues or something. It, I mean, it, he had a substantial know, run on. Yeah, it. another chunk, and then in the, and and then we're deep in the '90s, and I mean it Mark j- Bagley, right? And then about? that's really where Mark Bagley became a name. Right. He was around before that, but right. he became a name when he got Spider-Man. Exactly. And I mean, most people would consider Bagley on the, the Mount Rushmore Spider-Man artist, right? Because of that era, plus Ultimate later, right? Yep. Um, Absolutely. And I mean, he's still one of the greats. Uh, so, uh, yeah. So anyway, yeah. back to this okay. book. <laughs> back to the 70s. Well, All right, come on. Back, back yeah, to the I know, 70s, I know man. we digress a little bit. So... Um, we then have, let's just finish up quickly the credits. Yep. We have letters by Gaspar Saladino, uh-huh. colors by Jerry Serp or Serpe? I I'm, think it's Serpe, but yeah. I could be wrong. Not totally sure. This is in, an interesting credit. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry to cut you off yeah. here, but this was the first time that I had seen producer credits mm-hmm. on a comic book, and that's because there was so much business and legal that had to be done right. behind the scenes. Right. That uh, Saul Harrison and Jack Adler right. probably We're, did the lion's share of the business work. Right. And the, this, this was happen. kind of the, these were kind of like the legal accountant side of yeah, this, the, right? Yeah, these are the unsung heroes. The, yeah. guy, the guys who actually made this this project possible for the creatives involved. Right. Um, and then, of course, it lists a, a series of consulting editors, Roy Thomas, Julia Schwartz, Marv Wolfman, E. Nelson Bridwell. Yeah, all of them are legends. Mm-hmm. All mm-hmm. of them legends in their own right. And... You know, we wouldn't still have superheroes if it wasn't for Julia Schwartz, right. I, I believe. Now, and another thing that's interesting here um, that I just pulled out quickly out of the Indicia is that it does it does list it as published by both National Periodical and Marvel co-publication. Yeah. That's something you you don't always see in these crossovers. Right. You oftentimes see Image produce one and DC produce one. Right. Or, or you know... Whoever does kind of the heavy lifting of paying the money kind of gets to do the publishing exactly. or something like that. Sometimes a, a lot of them work out deals like that. So this is kind of interesting because this is a pure co-publication, right? You know, and this was back before the time that that mega media companies had owned publishing companies. Mm-hmm. Warner mm-hmm. Brothers hadn't bought DC or National Periodical publications yet, and I think there was a cosmetics group that was involved mm-hmm. at, in Marvel's yep. uh, finances at that point, but it wasn't. 
they, they, it was it was it, it you know was, it was it, very it was much a conglomerate. A, they really didn't they, they didn't have much. They, to they do were more with of it. a silent partner than right. anything else. They just let them go crazy, and <laughs> which right. explains much of the Marvel seventies books. <laughs> <laughs> Man Thing, Howard the Duck, anybody? And it oh geez, uh, we already talked Remember about that. that yeah, episode? yeah, go back to, go back and look at the uh, Steve Gerber episode we did. So. Um, Okay, so it is branded as DC and Marvel present. Um, it is branded as the Battle of the Century. Um, before we dive dire- directly in, let, let me just go through a couple of listener comments. We had uh, Curtis was kind enough to reach out on Facebook and Twitter and, and ask for a few comments. Um, so one person, Iskander on Facebook, he made the note of technically that this was the second Marvel, DC, and crossover. Um, the first was their Wizard of Oz book. Now... Okay. I, I don't okay, you're gonna okay. have to explain this to so, me because I, I did not read this. Uh before. they did they did I've never read it. I've okay. seen this book. I've I've seen this book. I'm familiar with it, but I don't know much about it. Okay. But it's not a crossover in the sense we think of crossover. Okay. It was just a co publication. Interesting. Right. Okay. Like um, they both had some kind of rights yeah, legal something. right to, to the property. Yeah, I'm not exactly sure okay. the details as to why that came about. Again, hit us up at Ep- yep. Epic Crossovers hashtag on um, uh, Twitter and let us know if you have the dirt on it. Yeah, see I, and again it's a book I'm not terribly familiar with. I like I said, I know the cover, I've seen it. It does say Marvel D you know, it looks very similar sure. in branding. Um, but it is again that's not what we're talking about here, right? Right. We're right. not talking about a co-publication. No. We're talking about a crossover. We want a DC hero going fist to fist with a Marvel hero, right? And, and at this time, you can say with Superman and Spider-Man that these are arguably the masthead characters, the, the, oh, the most, definitely. The most popular most definitely. characters at each publisher yeah. this time. Yeah. I mean, you know, especially at DC, you always kind of went back and forth with Batman sometimes, but... but Superman was the right. face of right. the company, right? And just like Spider-Man, even when Spider-Man wasn't the biggest selling guy. Yeah. Because in the seven, I mean, at this point, X-Men was right? the number one selling uh, uh, Marvel book yeah, through I most of the right. 70s. Was it, I mean, Giant Size had just come out the year before, right. I think. Well, so. yeah, maybe they hadn't ramped up fully but, to, I mean, to they where were, they were, but they were, they were on their there. way. Yeah. yeah, they were on their way at this point. And X-Men, I mean, well, for years was the number one Marvel. Remember, I mean, I mean, Companies base their metrics off of X Men sales, right? Because <laughs> right. That's, that's that was considered the most popular book. Yeah. Um. And so even when that Spider Man was the masthead, like you said, it was the 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 face of the company. Exactly. Right. Exactly. And so you had these two faces going going head to head. That's what we're talking about by crossover. And this was really come on, come yeah. on. Let's let's not let's not be pedantic here. This yeah. was it. All right. This was this is this is. I mean, in many ways, if you really think about it, Will, we've had crossover since. God knows we wouldn't have yep. a show to uh, hand over to Curtis monthly right. if there weren't crossovers to talk about. But let's be frank here. This is the crossover. Yeah. This is, I mean. I mean if you could only have one. Right. 
Like, this is, I mean, I'm not talking about story here. I'm just talking from conceptually. Right. I mean, there's always the argument to be made that, well, won't Superman just destroy Spider-Man, right? Well, they sort of address that in the comic. (laughs) (laughs) All right. A couple more listener comments here quickly. We have Jeff on Facebook. He wrote that this book was the white whale for me for decades. Uh, My childhood comic shop had a bagged copy on the wall, and I remember staring in awe at the beautiful cover, that, that cover we already talked about some. I think he it was, was right. Right. And I think he says, I think it was outrageously priced at the time at $10. Oh, yeah. heavens to Murgatroyd. Right, right. We have new books on the shelf right now going for $10 a piece in a lot of cases. <laughs> uh, DC 750th issues, anybody? Right, right. Um, years later, he goes on to say, uh, years later, when I was probably 35, I bought a copy at Comic Con. I've since gotten it signed by Jerry Conway. Oh, wow. Nice. Nice. Oh. That's a that's a nice piece to have. Score for you, yep. Jeff. Um, and then he goes on to say, one of the best crossovers ever. Why aren't there more of these epic events? DC and Marvel, and Marvel ought to get busy with something new that would get the comics community talking. Now, I I find we've we talked about this a little bit before on on previous episodes where you know when they just team up, they can really do magical stuff. Sometimes. Yes, and and I mean. I mean, the, the the Hulk Superman, the first right. episode we did, that book was amazing. Right. Uh, and really, if they just, everyone just do what they need to do, get, play get nice. The, just let the character, publish the characters. If you have to do it like they did with Batman Punisher, mm-hmm. do two different volumes, one published by one company, one published by the other. Yep. Um, you know, and this thing comes in fits and starts. You know, it's, it's as the industry needs it more, or right. I should right. say... And I'm going to clarify, it's as the big two needs it. Right. More than how the industry needs it. Now, we're lucky that we live in an age where, you know, companies, parent companies like ATT, Warners, and and Disney Mm -hmm. don't mind farming out some of their smaller characters. You know, like the Batman TMNT, which was really good. Right, Or, you know... You know, Batman does have a long history of crossover. Right. So that's a little bit... You know, and we were talking about a few episodes back of Marvel Army of Darkness. Right. Marvel Zombies Army, Army of Darkness. Yep. But... It's a shame because it would be great if there was this creative space where we can get maybe a one shot a year or mm-hmm, a, a mm-hmm, four mm-hmm. issue mini a year. Because mm-hmm. I still think back, and, and if you haven't listened to our first episode, um, yeah. please go back and listen to it. Listen to it and go to your co- local comic book shop and dig up a back issue of of the Incredible Hulk versus Superman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Which Steve, is Steve Rude, nineteen ninety nine. It's 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 one of the greats. It, it, that it, book is amazing. I, I'm sorry, we're talking about something completely different, but you know, Jeff Jeff's on the money because this would give something not just to collectors, but I think having these sort of masthead type characters of having the X-Men and mm-hmm. the Teen Titans, you know, another one of our past episodes mm-hmm. of having Superman, Spider-Man, of having Captain America, Batman. Ooh, spoiler for maybe future Uh-oh. episode. Whoa. What? <laughs> um, but having these characters meet up would draw people yeah. in from outside who only know them from the multi from the multimedia yep. stuff, from animation and film and TV. Yep. Um, you know, that's just me on a soapbox. I, I'm with you, Jeff, one hundred percent of the way. And I think I think you're right. I, I like the idea of like, you know, yes, you don't want to do it all the time. There there has to be a certain No, you want to make it special. It. You want to make it a, you know a moment captured in amber. Yep. But there I think there's room in this industry with the with the vagaries of publishing and there's copyrights room, and trademarks. There's room for like for an this, annual. Yes. To, for like once a year, just and, one random annual and, or 
something. And I'm going to throw this out there. Don't do it for yourselves. Mm-hmm. Do it for charity. Do it for something. Do it for yeah. the American Cancer Society. Do it for the American Heart Association. Do it for for nerd, nerds who vote. I mean, do, do it for something. Right. No, Stand I, for something. I think that's a great idea. Yeah. And and that also, you know, it's it's that goodwill. Th- I don't know. Anyway, we're on There's our soapbox. Let's get back so on So much track. that we could talk. <laughs> this, we could make an episode just about what they should do, but right. we're not doing that today. Okay. All right. So okay. Uh, I have a couple just more quick comments, and then we'll dive in. Okay. Um, MWC podcast on Twitter said that they covered this on their pilot episode um, and that we literally bought it on our wedding day. Aww. Reading my cousin's copy as a very, very young child led to it taking a while for me to figure out that there was a difference between the two universes. Yeah. That's interesting. I've never heard it from that perspective. That's really cool. Like it could be like if that was your first, you know, that the idea uh, every comic book is someone's first comic, right? That's right. The, the Jim Shooter yeah. deal, right? I never thought of that. Like, yeah. if if this was his first comic, does that does that warp your brain a little bit? You or, know, or at least your perspective. Yeah. You know, it, it's it's something to think about, and you know, you might get more concrete in story answers from us when we cover JLA Avengers down the road. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So we'll be talking about that as well. So. But that's that's very interesting because you could definitely see the styles of the two companies coexisting in this comic book Mm -hmm. at that time. Yep. Uh, One more comment here. Dave's Comics on Twitter said, a larger-than-life story made that much better by the Treasury side, which we already talked about. Um, A meeting of not only Superman and Spider-Man, but also Lex Luthor and Dr. Octopus (laughs) and Lois Lane and Mary Jane. Yep. And even just Peter Parker and Clark Kent. And... Mm -hmm. To go deep cut on you, J. Jonah Jameson oh, yep. and Morgan Edge. And, yep, exactly. Yep. <laughs> um, and he says, then don't don't think about it, just read and enjoy it. Yeah. Cool. That's the thing. I, yep. I'm with you 100% Dave's comics. Okay. So let's dive into the story. Uh, or you, again, one more note before I get into the story. Okay. This, is this the last that. one? That's the last one. This you is, promise? This isn't a listener comment, though. This okay. is, we're we're okay. talking about Listener comments now. are okay. Yeah. Go okay. Ahead. So... Um, I just want to comment a little bit because the book opens up with editorial notes from Stanley and Carmine Infantino. Um, I feel when you read these editorial notes, this sums up the difference between Marvel Comics and DC Comics of the day. I mean, 100%. Uh-huh. Uh, one is you have Stan Lee. He's Stan Leeing it up. Oh, in my the, God. In the, you know, in in the he, mighty Marvel manner, true he, believers. He even writes a soliloquy from Stan Lee, oh is what God. he calls it. And he's like, we couldn't, we got told it couldn't be done. They said it was impossible. Blah, 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 you know. <laughs> and you and, could just hear it in yeah. your mind reading this. Right, right. Go, uh, Excelsior. You know, he's just, I mean, he's doing his Stan Lee sales right, thing, right? Right, And then Carmine, on the other side, is just like, Comics should reflect history <laughs> and their momentum. God blah, blah, bless blah, you, you Carmine. Know, um, we want to thank the artists, and we want to thank you know, oh. which is uh, it's totally fine. I'm not trying to knock Carmine. No, at all. Carmine is again a yeah. legend in the industry, but. Boy, you want to talk about two different kinds of personalities. He even says, the planning and perspiring is now behind us. The pleasure is before you. Yes. Right? (laughs) Like, it it, it sums up the way that the kids looked at the difference between these two companies. Like, so hard. It was unbelievable to me when I read it. And at this point, I mean, Marvel had really just completely decimated DC in the monthly sales market. Right. You know, and DC... 
there, there's other podcasts to do on things like the DC implosion mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. you know, the various changes that they had a lot of. And the, the foothold on distribution and that oh, kind of stuff, right? Mary Marvel. There was so much going on. So, you know, there, but, but Marvel knew what it was. Mm-hmm. And DC was in this process of rediscovering what it mm-hmm. was. But, their characters, and this just provided for even, I think, a greater sense of what the, what the, the, and again, what I think it was Mark that was saying earlier about what the differences were with uh, the DC and the Marvel Universe. Right. So, where does this book start? We start with Superman. It's actually split up into kind of chapters, right? And the first part is called Prologue One, okay? And this is where we have, basically, we're introduced to Superman fighting a giant robot. Yeah. I mean, this robot is absolutely, he's in Metropolis, right? So we're we're in Superman's world, right? Kind of walking through Metropolis, Mm -hmm. literally walking through skyscrapers. Yep. Yep, and it's a giant robot that looks something similar to a... I don't know, like a 50 sci-fi tin robot? I was thinking like a, like a really bad version of ROM. I mean, maybe. Well, okay, you know? I would say ROM as far as like, as far as like the, the, the mechanical coating mm-hmm. or the, 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 the titanium, whatever you would call yeah. it. The space metal, yeah, yeah. I will call it. He had just the, the 50th sci-fi right, right. voice. No, he looked, like an old, he looked like an old plastic toy of a robot. Exactly, you know? or a tin robot. Yeah. Um, and so there's a giant robot literally walking through a building and Superman going to save him. Um, which of course Superman has to do the thing of, I'm going to narrate every single thing that I do as I do it. It's like great Krypton. That thing just smashed through a building. Right. And, uh, then he's like, and then of course he has to like add the comments about why some of his powers won't work. To take right. these down, right? Because Superman is, is of course, all-powerful, There right? must be some kind of gravity yep. ray involved. Yep. There, this, he has a lead shield, so I can't use my X-ray vision, <laughs> right? Exactly. Um, so they always have to comment, and that's part of the annoying part about reading Superman, honestly. Well, I mean, <laughs> you know, and to me, what you see as annoying, I see as charm, because I, I think we've said before in a previous podcast, mm-hmm. you have always been more of a Marvel kid. Very much so. And don't get me wrong. I, I, I think I've proved my Marvel bona fides yeah, by yeah. this point. <laughs> but I also have an equal love for DC. And it's it's one of those things where you kind of have to see it in the lens of the time that it yep. came from. And again, this was part of DC's identity crisis is that's the way they wrote books back in the mm-hmm. 50s. That's mm-hmm. the way they wrote books back in the 60s where they didn't trust the intellect of the, the, the predominantly children. Mm-hmm. That were reading their books, or I don't, I don't know if to that's me, fair to say. I I don't know. I mean, maybe I'm being mean. I mean no, I, but I, I mean, I, they I were get what you're saying. Were, I get, maybe I should, let me state know. it this way: they were skewing their 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 writing and 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 narrative flow of their artwork to a different audience, to a different audience, Very, to a young, yeah. younger skewing audience. Yeah, that's yeah. I'm not trying to be mean about it, guys. I'm just you know throwing it out there that you know DC was definitely in a different place creatively than Marvel mm-hmm. was at this mm-hmm. point. Yeah, very much so. And they were very, they were a little less, it's not that they wouldn't take chances. I mean, no, they did, no, absolutely. But they were, oh, there they were, were some were, gonzo DC stories. They were a little more 
careful with big changes, yes. right? We're much Marvel, more conservative. Company. Yeah, Marvel. Marvel had no real whims about like changing a character's entire backstory on like a line because right. it fits a new story, right? You know what I mean? Um, you know, they'll have an episode or episode. They'll have an issue of Superman where Superman flies to a planet that are all full of blue skin Conan the mm-hmm. Barbarian wannabes, mm-hmm. where Marvel actually got the license to Conan the Barbarian and published Conan the Barbarian comics for mm-hmm. many years and are doing so again. Yeah. So, I mean, that, that was kind of, you know, some of the give and take. Um, and DC would go after licensed properties too. Don't get me wrong. They had a great Tarzan book in the seventies. Yes, they did. Um, you know, and, and some of their, their other properties that were non-superhero related, like their war books, enemy ace, haunted tank, mm-hmm. Sergeant rock were right. Weird up war there. tales. Weird war tales. You know, with the Spangled war, t- war stories. Yep. All the Joe Kubert covers is what I exactly. think Exactly. The Kubert covers. <laughs> covers. Yeah. But I mean, you know, so, so it wasn't like DC didn't take risks, but, but their mainline superhero comics, like Batman in the 70s, was just breaking out of the Batman 66. Right. You know, they, you know, they were... It was the Neil Adams start. It was the era, Neil right? Adams, the Denny O'Neill, the Murphy Anderson. Mm-hmm. That, it was that era of Batman. So Matt, you could say that Batman was a much more adult, grounded, and maybe modern character in this, in this time mm-hmm. than Superman was. Superman was still... Almost like a throwback to the Silver Age. I kind of think he was. I mean, I, I kind of feel like is was, did they see him like from like a like a a, a sacred cow type perspective? Yes, that's exactly. Was it, was it. it just like they, it's like well, he's Superman. You can't really mess with him that much, right? Well, it it they they didn't mess with Superman until 1984, like right. eight years later. Right, right. Did they start you know until 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 Alan, the reboot and until the Alan, Alan Moore came and, yeah. around? Right. You know. And then, and then it, and then of course, then another, you know, less than 10 years later with the death of series, right. Right. Exactly. Um, okay. So Superman fighting a robot and, and pretty much back on the story here, back to the giant robot that walks through buildings, Superman. And basically we got pages of beat em ups. Yes. Of Superman versus robot. Yeah. Pages. Pages. Um, it turns out that this robot was being controlled by Lex Luthor. What? I know. Really? No. Lex Luthor with a plot no. involving a giant robot and gravity rays? Yeah, that would never happen. <laughs> it seems it seems so it's so surprising <laughs> that it was Lex Luthor of all people. I love God <laughs> Silver Age Lex Luthor. And I mean this is if you ever watch Super Friends or or uh Legends of the Superpowers, this is if if Lex didn't have, or if Lex had facial hair, like he would be twirling mm-hmm. his mustache. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He's very snively whiplash. Oh, it's like, <laughs> well, Superman, you fell into my infrared skeleton right. ray. You yeah, know, sharks with laser, laser beams attached to their. And I get a freaking laser beam yeah. here, people. <laughs> uh, it it was it was just classic classic Lex Luthor. Mm-hmm. Yes. So we have Luther and Superman fighting. Luther essentially gets away in an, in some kind of a escape. It was like the the head of the the head of wasn't it the head it of was the, the robot? Head, but then he jumps out of the head. That's in right. Like a, in like That's a, right. Yeah. In something like a like a uh, what do you call it? Like in a in a fighter plane, uh, an ejection, uh, ejection seat, ejector right. seat. Which for some reason Superman can't stop him at that point. I don't. Well, know. there was so much damage in yeah. the city. I couldn't possibly right. leave the. Poor people behind which they never showed, and then you and then you kind of get to the the scene of really what these prologues are trying to do is just make sure you're introduced to the character and what the character does and kind of their rules of the world. Right. Speaking of rules of the world, mm-hmm. I just want to let our listeners know that if there's a <laughs> crash that happens, it's your cat's fault. Yep. 
Nope. You know, it's I. I'm fine. Sassy, Sassy Cat is back. Sassy for another Cat episode. has decided to uh, be our our honorary third podcaster. I know. Today. I think I'm going to have to take a picture of her and add her. I think you will the, onto the. All right. All right. There we go. All <laughs> that right. was worth the dead air. Yeah, we'll so. see. <laughs> all right. So, um, so then we get to the the point where we see Superman. He goes back to and, and you know changes back into Clark Kent. Does his transformation yes. quote unquote and then shows up to at the newsroom of the daily planet and you know gets involved with some shenanigans there yep. but basically it's just showing you the structure of what of, a, superman of what a superman story is like right right yeah. there's a there's, there's an Ed, mr edge there's jimmy olsen there's you know kind of everyone's in the scene somewhere steve lombard was right. a big character at this time and you might be thrown because superman doesn't work at a newspaper during this time in his career oh right right yes this is a he, television he's a local thing. television yeah. anchor right and right. A reporter he's That's still an right. ace reporter and uh, lo- he's competing for stories with Lois Lane, who's still yep. at the Daily yep. Planet. So, so. so my bad on that. No, um. no, no. It's okay. <laughs> it was just, it was a really interesting time for Superman where, you know, he would tie himself in front of a camera for a half hour every day. Right. So it, the world went completely unprotected. No volcanoes were stopped. No alien invasions yep. prevented. Yep. Yeah, Superman was doing the six o'clock news. So, um, so then uh, after he does kind of the, his uh, news reporter thing, he turns back into Superman, goes flying, um, finds Luthor in some kind of a an underwater tank for yeah. some reason, essentially. Yeah, yeah. Um, and again gets in more beat em ups with Luthor, mm-hmm. and uh, Luthor then. Has some way to incapacitate Superman as yeah. he always does, and uh, they essentially they he, he gets captured. He captures Luther and t- and hauls him in and takes him to jail. Right. You're going to jail, Luther. Yep. yep. Okay. And then we get a page called "Now a pause for hero identification." Yeah. <laughs> this is this is quite interesting because again, this is the first crossover. They this didn't really know, is. Are they are the Spider Man people going to know about Superman? Are so the Superman it's, people going to know about? Yeah, Spider-Man? it's it's essentially a large page with Superman in the middle of it. And yep. They talk around this image of who Superman is and yep. what he can do. Yep. Kind of show what he stands for and some of his powers. Yeah. That's basically it's pretty much like a little little informational page. All he had, all, all they really had to say was truth, justice, in the American way, mm-hmm. and can do anything. Right. So then <laughs> we move into Prologue 2. So hey, yeah, the amazing Spider-Man. Right. And so we've already covered Superman. So yeah. now we got to cover Spider-Man, right? Yep. Prologue 2 and it and it says here in in a night in the life of your friendly neighborhood web spinner, the amazing Spider-Man, right? Dun, dun, dun. We get actually it's, a, it's actually a pretty cool two-page spread. Yeah, it is. Um, with Spider-Man up on a pole um, setting his camera so that he can get pictures. Of Another course. one of those interesting forced perspective shots. Yeah, exactly. And yep. again, slightly curved, right? Yep. That same thing going on. Yep. Um, and he's trying to, he sees some robbers robbing a museum. Yep. Right. Basically thugs robbing a museum. Um, As which it happens. Yeah. It happens all the time. Yeah. I mean, constantly. Yeah. So Spider-Man setting up his camera so that he can get pictures. Cause of course, in case you're unaware, Spider-Man, of course, his alter ego, Peter Parker. Peter Parker shoots pictures of Spider-Man and sells them to J. Jonah Jameson. Yep. Um, and so that J. Jonah can write terrible pieces about Spider-Man. Exactly. That's basically the whole yep. background. 
Um, so it is kind of funny because the one thing that makes the story work interestingly is the fact that, they, of course, they're both reporters, right? right? Superman and Clark Kent and Spider-Man and, and Peter Parker. And they, they, they work in the same field um, in different cities. So Spider-Man, of course, is in Manhattan, right? Right. right. Um, Superman is in Metropolis, which is fictionalized New York, right? Exactly. Um, so... And and they do call it out here in the book that they are both in their own city at mm-hmm. this point in time. Yep. Uh, Spider-Man then goes and sets up his camera, jumps down to the thugs to give them some beat-em-ups, right? Smack, pow, zap. Right. And it cracks and, I mean, it's just some fighting. But, of yep. course, along within the, with this fighting, you come to see it's Dr. Octopus. Right. Right. Because it has to be one of them. Right. Right. You know, it's it's not just random thugs. No, no, all the thugs always work. They're hired goons for someone. Right, and so we get Doctor Octopus. Um, again, we get more pages of beat 'em ups, basically. Mm-hmm. Right, Spidey versus uh, versus Doctor Octopus. We get a shot of the flying octopus. Oh. This is kind of neat. What <laughs> cool design! It was a cool design, but it was very much of its time as yeah, far as yeah. the color scheme goes. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Very I much. mean, it was like a fuchsia, if I remember it, it's right. It's like a weird light greenish. Yeah, it's strange. But it's like green and pink, right? Uh, well, it, maybe in a few, maybe in the, when it's colored differently. In the, yeah. in the first time you see it, it's mostly Either green. that or my yeah. eyes are about ready to explode. But uh, anyway, the point is, is that it was a funky airship and it was cool. Yeah. And, and that's sp- what you need to take away Spider-Man from Spider-Man makes a comment of, I thought the Spider-Mobile was a fiasco. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I forgot Spider-Man had a dune buggy. Yeah, yeah. Um, which, uh, it just leads to more beat-em-ups. Yep. Spider-Man, Dr. Octopus. It's literally pages and pages of Spidey, Doc Ock beat-em-ups. Right. I think there's like three turns in this particular mm-hmm. opera. Right. Until uh, Doc Ock gets uh, webbed up and his henchmen get... Well, webbed. not yet. Not oh, yet. No, no, for, no, no. I'm sorry. No, no, no. It, Spidey runs out of webbing Nope, first. you're right. You're right. So I'm Spidey gonna... runs out of webbing and then heads back to the Daily Bugle. Okay. Okay. And he Peter turns back into Peter Parker, you know? Yeah. Um, and of course, we get an introduction of Peter Parker, J. Jonah Jameson, Betty um, Brant, Ned Betty Leeds. Exactly. Right. Um, and they, they get in kind of arguments. But again, the purpose of the prologue is just to kind of give us an introduction right. to who Peter Parker is, right? Exactly. Um, we get a little bit of Mary Jane. Um, but then, of course, there's, a, there's some kind of a blimp. And Spider, he sees it, and he goes, uh-oh, it's Dr. Octopus. There's something fishy. I yep. got put, he, Spidey sense starts going off. He's got to put on a suit and get back out there. Right. Um, in doing so, he flies into the air. He climbs, and he jumps to this weird blimp. Um, and he comes to find out that this blimp is uh, actually hiding the... What what did I call it? What's the doc, the, the the octopus ship? Yeah, uh, the octopus ship is actually flying inside of this blimp. It is the Goodyear blimp, <laughs> but they keep blocking out so that they don't get a trademark hit on this. They actually no, you get one shot. Is where, there one? Yeah, shot? there's one shot on page like twenty eight where you see the full okay. Goodyear. Yeah, because I remember on the page when when Spider Man is about to engage the uh, the blimp. Right. Like the, the, the page before. The, yeah. The, the page before the balloon that. covers up half the logo. Yep. So that's what yep. I thought. Okay. Yeah. The anyway. lettering, the lettering covers a part of it. Uh, yeah. And the, the page right after that, we actually do get a shot. Goodyear blimp. And actually this shot is actually really cool. Again, you get these forced perspective shots. Yep. One thing I like is you get Spider-Man falling. He essentially went high in the air and then uh-huh. jumped down 
at to the blimp, and you get this shot of him falling, and he's small, and you get the shadow against the blimp, and actually, a pretty it's good shot. Awesome. <laughs> it, it's just awesome. Yeah, it's a, it's a good Ross Andrew. Yeah. Um, all right, so we bust He in draws the, good. He does. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, he draw good. Yes. Um, so... Uh, Again, it's just more beat-em-ups. Right. Get in the fight with Dr. Octopus, and again, guess what happened? Oh, he captures him and takes him to jail. Aww. And it's jail in New Mexico. Yeah, yeah, but we're not there yet. We have yet Oh, no, they get transferred. He, first, he takes first, him to the police station, Yeah, basically. first, yeah, he turns him in, but first, we I, get yet another pause for a hero identification. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Yep, we got to tell the story of Spider-Man. Obviously, the, my own brain is thinking the way the story should go, right. but it's, yeah, anyway, right. hero identification. Right. Now, after the hero identification, we do move into prologue number three, Third prologue, which is which is Lex Luthor yes. and Doctor Octopus in prison in they New bo- Mexico. They've been found guilty. They both get sent to prison prison in New Mexico. Yep, I'm guessing this must be some kind of federal prison. Yeah, I don't know why they would be sent to New Mexico. Um, the first thing I thought is like, are they going to try to fit Hulk in here somewhere? Right, like so. Oh, Ray that would Hulk, be. Wouldn't know? that have been fantastic yeah. <laughs> to see Bruce Banner in the corner somewhere? Right. Just- like, cause that's, that's what I think of when I think of New Mexico, right? right? Uh, it's either that or Breaking Bad. I mean, those are, <laughs> those are my main uh, New Mexico uh, <laughs> cultural references. Wow, um, with the Breaking Bad universe crossover. That would be interesting. <laughs> the Woo! Silver Age Hulk versus Walter White. Yeah, let's get that on Disney Plus, huh? <laughs> um, uh, all right. So anyway, Federal Max X Security Penitentiary number one, the most escape-proof prison in the world, is yeah. what it claims. Yeah, and of course, we're holding Doc Ock, we're holding Lex Luthor in the same one, in the same, not not only in the same prison, they're in the same cell block. They're in the same block. They're across the hall from each other, right? You know, so like literally- they must put all the 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 maniacal criminal masterminds mm-hmm. on the same mm-hmm. cell block because mm-hmm. that's bright. Yeah, no, this is totally smart. Yeah, yeah. let's just take the smartest evil guys in the world and let them all talk. Yeah. Yeah, good idea. Exchange ideas. You know, it's sort of like a, uh, what would you call it, like a fellowship and an advanced science institute right. or something like that. You right. Know? Um, so Evil science. Evil scientists. Yes. Um, yeah. So essentially we get to a point where Luther uh, shows that he's hidden some gadgets under his skin or under a fake skin. He has a, yeah, he, it's like the questions mask, but it's like that, yeah, that's a good that's a good. It's analogy. probably like pseudoderm, and mm-hmm. then there's all mm-hmm. these tools and circuit boards. And <laughs> yeah, little little things, everything that he needs. It's it's, it's, a, it's a standard prison escape set. Yes. I guess. Um, <laughs> oh so he busts this out. He starts using these tools to like mess up the guards and jack up the cameras and yeah. do all these things. Uh, and and he he actually busts Doctor Octopus out of his cell as well and uses him to ride out of the prison. Yeah, he reactivate like his arms were deactivated mm-hmm. somehow. His, his his cybernetic arms and it's like let's get out of here, you know. Yep. And and they take they, off. They're they're pieced out at this point. So. <laughs> Uh, obviously not the most escape-proof prison in the world. In fact, um, the least escape-proof <laughs> prison. Uh, and then we get a page again of of talking about the villains, right? Yes. So give a background of who Dr. Octopus is, give a little bit of background of who Lex Luthor is and what kind yep. of tools that they have at their disposal. Exactly. Okay. Then we move into the actual story. Yes. Okay. Chapter um, four. Yeah. Uh, they don't even give this a chapter name. I'm just saying yeah. that we're four chapters into this <laughs> mega story. 
story. Um, I, yeah, and again, this was a big treasury edition. This is like an 80, 88 page or yeah, whatever. This is, right? this, this, is, is big this is going longer than some of our usual episodes, so the cat has totally flopped on her back and is going to sleep <laughs> at this point. But we are totally enthralled with the story. We hope you are, too. Yeah. No, it's good. And and now here's where it gets interesting. So we start into the, the regular story, the actual story. So, and this and this is called Superman and the Amazing Spider-Man in a Duel of Titans, Chapter 1. Oh, okay. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's finally chapter one. Right. No. <laughs> but see, the interesting thing is the cover still says that this book is called Superman versus the Amazing Spider-Man. Yeah. Battle of the that, Champions. And that's why I think it was a marketing thing. You right. know, it's like, who would we need to fight? You know? Right. What do you think? Yeah. Okay. So what the story, of course, how it's set up, as we already discussed, they're... Both reporters, right? right. They're, they're newsmen, and right? they're they're accompanying their their bosses and their mm-hmm. coworkers and to their this, girlfriends and their girlfriends to this worldwide news convention in Manhattan. Yep. So so that's what's interesting is that this story does take place in Manhattan. Yes. Right. And we've established Spider Man's Manhattan. Right. Right. So this is actually Superman coming to. Our world, to Marvel is, world, This I is mean. scummy 1970s Manhattan, and it's actually referred to as such. Oh, yeah, I had to write this down. Yeah. Because Superman just straight up talks crap. He is. He, it's like, hilarious. This place is filthy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, Superman's like totally dropping some bombs on freaking Manhattan Oh, right my here. gosh. <laughs> you know, I mean, the, I mean, wow, yeah. the kind of stuff. Yep. Um, and, I mean, and, and Lois, he says, he says, this city's too filthy for my taste. And Lois is like, Clark, sometimes you're so dull i can't stand it seriously and i'm like that's dull he's like talking smack right yeah. now like well i mean it's well you know she's thinking well kansas farm boy loves pristine metropolis right. he can't handle you right. know, the party life of the city that never sleeps right um so they get into this news conference which basically again we get more just interactions between yep. newsman and peter parker newsman and uh and uh Clark Kent. Everybody smoking cigarettes and cigars. Right. Very much smelled up to high heaven. Yeah. Very much of the day. Right. (laughs) Very. This is this is a 1976 trade show. Right. Kind of thing. Very much. They're uh, there to celebrate this thing called Comsat. Mm -hmm. Was Mm -hmm. it? No, it wasn't Comsat. It was Comlab. Comlab. Yeah. Was the name? It was basically uh, before we had the International Space Station. There was a temporary space station. Mm -hmm. That was up for several years in the 70s called Skylab. So it's basically what you do if you take a communication satellite and marry it to Skylab. And it's a lab that you can experiment on communications. Yeah. I, I don't know what that means. Are they putting reporters in space? What What was their overall I don't plan know. for this I don't thing? I, 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 I'm curious. <laughs> I still think there's story there. Yep. Uh, yeah, they call it Comlab One, the world's first orbiting communications laboratory. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. So <laughs> we get we get the editors. Uh, the, we have we have a scene of like you know the 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 uh, you know again Peter Parker fighting with uh, Jameson. You've got Clark Kent fighting with um, Edge. Morgan right? Edge. Yeah. Right. Yep. Um, and then you get Lois, who's like sneaks away and decides she wants to try to get the scoop get some yep. pictures of of the satellite from an angle or something. Yeah, I, and I don't want to sound like a sexist or anything mm-hmm. like that. But I, I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna try to apply this equally. There are few masters of true 
beauty. And what I mean in that in the, in both male and female physical forms. Mm-hmm. And I think one of those masters could be credited as Kurt Swan in Superman because he could draw mm-hmm. people that looked like people, mm-hmm. but he drew to me the most beautiful women. Mm-hmm. This was a close number too. Like Ross Andrews, Lois Lane was dazzling. Like she was like something from a a, a big budget thirty five right. millimeter movie. I mean, well, I mean, Ross Andrew has the experience of drawing Mary Jane, and you know, right? But I mean, you know. he he was able to draw this working woman in the seventies. You know, working outside of you know a women's lib kind of thing. Sure. And that's another thing I should mention. There's a lot of language, uh, overt language on topics of race and right. women's liberation right. and stuff like right. that. So you should be prepared for some dated referencing. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but again, that's part of the 1976, yeah, but right? I, that's uh, the, the zeitgeist. Yeah, exactly. This is uh, definitely a product of its time. But I just want to ma- just want to acknowledge that those scenes with Lois Lane sneaking off to get into trouble, as she always does, there was there was this dynamism in the way that he was able to portray it, where it's like, wow, you know, she is this this stunner mm-hmm. who is also incredibly smart and and has kind of a, a, a I don't know what the best term is, but I'll just say crazy streak. Like right. she she has no regard little for fearless, her own, little, a little fearless, a little yeah, like a lot. A she has no concern for her own physical safety still, and it was well written by Conway. And yep. Um, in in doing so, so so in the story, this is how she meets Peter Parker. Right, she kind of escapes on her own, um, and to try to get a picture, Peter Parker's kind of doing the same thing. He's trying to sneak around and get some good pictures. Yep, um, and they end up meeting each other, right? And also, Mary Jane is there, so they all kind of meet. Yeah, uh, well, when I say all, Lois, Peter, and Mary. Okay? Right, right. Um, at at this point, though, Superman appears. Yeah, right. Like out of nowhere. Out it's of nowhere. Jarring. Yeah, it's it's really strange. He just appears, and even Lois is like. What? Like, she's like, what do you, like, she's amazed that Superman's there. Right. Where he, um, she's like, oh, this is such a nice coincidence. But when he jumps down, he zaps him. Yeah, he, he shoots yellow or something beams yep. out of his eyes. The, almost very Ditko-esque looking yeah. kind of shot. I actually pulled that out. Yeah. It, kind of, it, it reminded me of a Ditko, uh, Doctor Strange kind of looking mystical exactly. stuff. It was very, very different, like. You know, and I've seen Superman do weird stuff. Like, there was a a comic in the 50s where Superman was able to, because he wasn't able to, like, save everybody in the world all the time, he somehow developed the power to shoot out little six-inch duplicates of himself that had all of his same powers at the height of six inches. (laughs) And people started liking the six-inch versions of Superman better than Mm -hmm. him, so he stopped doing it. So I thought for a split second, is this some crazy power that they came up with for Superman in this crossover, which would have been fantastic. But no, it was was different because, like, in the next page, Mm -hmm. we get... Yeah. Well, we get well. F- well, All right, I, I'm jumping ahead. Yeah, again, yeah, yeah. No, no, it's it's the same page. It's, it's okay. but, but we find out that essentially Clark Kent is still there. Yeah, Clark Kent's like what? Right. So this is not Superman as we know him. Right. right. This is not our Superman. This is something different. Yeah. Great uh, Scott. Yeah. Yeah. He says, Great Scott, I must be losing my mind. My, oh. And then, of course, this is hilarious where there's a quick <laughs> scene. I love this panel where both Superman, or excuse me, Clark Kent and Peter Parker are both looking it's, for phone booths. Yeah. Peter at the Parker, same and time. it was Peter, Peter Parker first goes looking for phone booths. And again, new dated reference. Right. Oh, that's right. 
AT&T took out all the all the phone booths yep. and put it in these phone kiosks or right. something. You know, right. like the wall the, units. The stalls. the stalls. They took out the That's booth right. and put in That's the stalls, right? right? And, <laughs> oh, my God. But I, I, I do find it fun that they're both like uh, kind of... Oh, uh, the phone. Uh, uh, no phone booths. We, yeah. I need a janitor's closet. Um, so in turn, Peter Parker makes it to become Spider-Man first. He, or, or to switch into Spider-Man, right? right. Um, and he immediately goes to the roof and end of chapter one. That's it. Then we go into chapter two. Two is called When Heroes Clash. Yes. Okay. Dun dun dun. So essentially Spider-Man is on is up and fighting on the rooftops with Superman. Yep. Okay. Cool. Yeah. That's basically where we start. Pretty pretty much kind of like a 2D version of what we got, you know, the right. less less forced perspective than what we got on the cover, but it was Spider-Man squaring off against Superman. Yep. Uh so they 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 do uh, just a little bit of beat-em-ups, but then you see that actually now Spider-Man's fighting the real Superman who showed up, not our doppelganger Superman. And and if you're saying to yourself right now, how the heck is Spider-Man mm-hmm. going to... I mean, we all love Spidey, don't get no, me wrong. Yeah. But this is like Superman is stronger than a, an Olympian god right. at this point. So So, I mean, how does he get to the point where... I mean, how is this a fair fight, Will? Right. I, no, I it's just, not. It's not. It, it's not. No, it's I mean, terrible. and that's and that's of course the Superman problem. Right. Right. Is that Superman being pretty much all powerful? How is it? How is there conflict? Right. Exactly. And uh, yeah, but there is Spidey seems to have some agility over him. Yep. A uh, little he, bit of jumping around. He does the flipties. He does some kicks. He does some twists. Yep. Uh, and and really in this in the same same vein, we also find out that the fake Superman that used his blasters was Lex Luthor and Dr. Octopus, basically, right? Yeah. Um, it was Luthor in a mask and a suit. Um, and they, they, what they did is when they zapped Lois and Mary Jane, they, like, warped them somewhere else. They transported them. Because they have transporters. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you know. Well, yeah, Luthor. Yeah. He, he can do that. He's got everything. Right. I mean, that's what happens when you're so rich and smart. And yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, I don't even know if he was necessarily rich. He just stole all the money he needed for scientific That's experiments. True. This is evil criminal mastermind Lex Luthor at this time. Right, right. We're not, we're not uh, real estate tycoon. Yeah. No, that was John Burns' <laughs> addition. To yeah, right. Superman myth. That's but right. Now, are we at the point where where Spider Man gets his little zappy? Um, yeah, he does. Yeah, so this I found re- <laughs> okay. <laughs> You're going to need to help me. All right. Okay. So, so correct me if I'm wrong, but Lex Luthor pulls out this ray gun. Yes. And he shoots Spider-Man with it, right? Exactly. With, with red sun radiation. Yes. It is a, it, it is, it is the red sun radiation device. Okay. So in this universe, Mm -hmm. if a human being is under the light of a red sun, Mm -hmm. they get the strength and invincibility of Superman. I, I, see, that's how I'm interpreting. Okay, this, no, is that see, eventually humans will become superhumans. Here's what I. Here's how I read it, and maybe I mistook this. And and I read it as because the the I thought the red sun. Oh, he no, you're sh- right. You're yeah, right. He it shot Spider Man with it. Right, and it which says I that thought it, was okay. I don't know. If, you, if you're going to weaken Superman, 
I'm thinking, okay, red sun rays, which are yeah. already scientifically dicey to See, talk about. What this. I thought was, I thought that it was, we're shooting Spider-Man and he's radiating it and it's making Superman weak. As opposed but he to didn't have like Spider-Man a light-up str- effect. Right. And also it even says that it temporarily increases his strength. Yeah, yeah. I charged him up. I don't know. I don't I don't it. Understand was just it. weird as crap. And I'm just thinking, here I am. If I'm a DC author, I want to write I want to write like DC <laughs> three million of where everybody on the planet Earth has turned into a Kryptonian under a red sun. Right. That'd be interesting. Wouldn't that be cool? But anyway, getting back to it, so just Wonky as hell, but it's like okay, we need a MacGuffin to make spy- to put right. Spider Man on a slightly Again, to solve that we had level. to solve the Superman problem, right? Exactly, okay. and they this is how they do it, and Spider Man's able to smack Soupy a mm-hmm. little bit. Yep. So they fight again. We get pages and pages of beat 'em ups. Yes. Here, okay? Oh, it goes on and on. That's my one complaint about this book is that the beat 'em ups. Go forever. They do. They do. It's a. It's a. It's. 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 This entire book is like eighty percent action and narration. I lo- don't get me wrong. I love this book, and and we'll get into our final thoughts later. I'm sure, but holy smokes, do they drag out some of these right. pieces? No. In fact, let 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 me just do a quick count here. Like okay, let's see forty yeah. with chapter two forty eight. <laughs> We get we get uh, we get ten pages of beat 'em up Holy. before before Spider Man and Superman realize that they're not the enemies of each other. Granted, an eighty eight page book. Okay, yeah. I get it. But Jesus, Lord Almighty. Yep. Ten pages. That is like I, I can't even. I don't even know math anymore. That's like five percent <laughs> of your book. Ten percent. I mean, it's like it's it's five percent of your book. It is madness. Right. And that's just in one chapter. Yep. So, so they I'm eventually. Sorry. No, no, it's a lot. I'm, it's a I'm lot. sorry. It's a lot. I mean, I like beat him up as much as the next guy. I but... was more exhausted than Spidey was yeah. at the end of that fight. So, we <laughs> essentially, essentially, Spidey and Superman realize, hey, we're not actually enemies, right? Something's, right. something's wonky here, and they become friends, right? Okay. Yeah, we should we should look into this problem together. Cool. Okay. In, into chapter two. That's it. Literally, chapter two was. Beat them up and friends. It would almost, if, if this was animation, it'd be a smash cut to commercials. Just exactly. Bam. <laughs> so, chapter. Watch out, my finger. <laughs> so, we, we got just a two, I think we got about two more chapters. Uh, again, th- this is where, you know, things start moving, but really it, it's not all that much. Chapter three, call to battle, or call of battle, excuse me. Um, there's. Can someone... Ex- okay, I, I got to ask the question Okay, here. go ahead. I'll, I'll, I'm going to put on my thinking hat. If I don't know if you have the... Do you have the book up over there? I do not. Okay, you don't have the book up. Okay. I don't. Page 60, chapter 3, there is a scene of... It's the call of battle, and you have Superman and Spider-Man kind of like swing into action, like trying to find, you know, the headquarters of the super imposter, is what right. they say. That's what they're calling... Whoever it was that wasn't Superman. There is an insane scene of Spider-Man on web skis. Okay. Explain this. Now, I seem to remember... Now, and and granted, I was... I am going on (laughs) memories that are almost, if not, more than 40 years old at Mm -hmm, this point. mm -hmm. Okay. But I seem to remember... Okay, because Peter Parker can make a knapsack for his clothes to stick up on a wall somewhere, right? Right. But essentially... 
there were times, I think, in various comics, various comics that Spider-Man appeared in. I'm not saying necessarily from the main Spider-Man writers, mm-hmm. where Spider-Man was almost Green Lantern with his webs. Okay. Like, he, yeah. could, he could make skis, he could make... Right. Paragliding wings, you know. The part that doesn't make sense. I mean, okay, uh, fair enough. Okay, so, but, but. But what is he skiing on? It's nonsense. It doesn't make any sense. Right. It makes zero sense, this scene. I am so amazed and confused at what is happening. Now, is this the scene where they're going across the ocean? No, no, no. We're not even at the ocean we're yet. Not e- we're not even at that. That's at chapter that four, I think, when okay. we go to the water. I, I, but Excuse or me. Or something. I don't remember. But, okay. I, I'm gonna follow follow your train of thought, but there I was I, I think in like Spidey Super Stories or something, or uh-huh. you know some of the more kiddie books, you're like yes, yeah, Spider Man would make stuff out of his webs, like yeah. he was Iceman or Green Lantern. It was yeah. just no, weird. He's literally on. He made web skis. He's on them, and he has he's web pulling, poles. Right? Superman? No, no, no. Or Superman's is, pulling him by some web. So, so, so what's the point of the skis? Like he's water skiing? Is that what they're going for? I don't know. But they're flying in air. I thought, you know what? I, I think Ross Andrew. <laughs> okay, if anybody out there on the internet listening. Jerry Conway, to, you got to explain this one. Jerry Conway, you I'm need sorry. to explain this because right now we think you guys got high before you yeah, made this. I, I just, mean, I, don't I know. love you guys. And look, Jerry Conway went on to write like big stuff, television, law and order <laughs> stuff. I mean, seriously, like he is, he is an Emmy nominated writer. Mm-hmm. But holy Moses. What kind of strain were you imbibing at that point? I don't, yeah, I don't because know. Because that was bonkers. I'm, I'm, I don't know. I find it like the most insane page in this entire thing because I, I just don't was, know what's happening. It was nuts, but you know what? Ross Andrew made it look nice. Hey, no, no, it looks cool. It's again, it's another big double page spread, another cool force perspective shot. Yep. It's just what are they doing? I don't it, get it. And it looks like those are skis. Yep. That are made of webs. Yep. Because comics. Yep. That's so, all I got. <laughs> so uh, essentially, they come to a, head, a port headquarters of some type, right? Where they where they they think that this uh, super imposter is living. Okay, they they break into this headquarters, and there's a series of booby traps. Okay, right? Standard Lex Luthor booby traps. Um, Superman just busts in. He just plows through the wall. Uh, and they get to where they find a room with Luther and Octopus, or what they think is Luther and Octopus, but they're actually just holograms of oh, some type. Oh, the old hologram and the secret base. Or maybe trick. they're transported. Oh, no. You know what? Looking at it, I think that they were actually transported. I think it was them, and they transported before uh, when they tried to grab them. Okay. okay. I don't know. Or, hol- oh, no. Now he says a hologram project. I don't know. Whatever. Point anyway, is, when point they is confront when they confront them in the secret base, they are are human looking holograms right. at this point. Right. And so this is where they kind of figure out that well, this isn't where the ladies are being kept. Right. And this isn't where obviously um where the baddies are right. either. At this point, they have to use Superman has to use his super speed to rebuild this computer that was damaged, the machine, the transporter right. or hologram or whatever. Well, didn't it is. he have to like oh, he had to like Spider Man started clicking on the computer to try to find yes. out where they went, and then there was like a bomb that Superman there was a, did. yeah there was a bomb and, and Superman blew it out and and and, uh, and blew Spider Man out of the out way, of the way and yeah it yeah exploded and Spider Man's like wow there's nothing we can do about this and then Superman's like. Nope, not when you have both super speed and photographic memory. Right. And in one panel, reassembles the computer like yep. it was never exploded. Nope. 
at all. Yep. And he's even like, <laughs> care to give it a try, Spider-Man? And very <laughs> smug. Yeah. Like, and of course, Superman, being the smartest person on the planet, decides not to use the computer. He is going to let the lesser mortal. Mm-hmm. Right. He's, he's deigning to let the lesser mortal use the Oh, fine. Sure. You can put a computer together with your photographic right. super memory. Right. Yeah. You know, at this point, I'm just imagining Spider-Man talking like Gilbert Gottfried. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I'll just go ahead and be your computer web-slinging slave. So, computers back together. I'm sorry. You're good. You're fine. <laughs> We're computers back together. We find out that they're that they, they seem to have coordinates in Africa on Mount Kilimanjaro. Of course. Now here is where, of course, we get into some very um, how how shall we say very Bronze Age dated, mm, somewhat I, somewhat very regrettable cultural. Uh, uh, you know, you know, depictions of they were aiming in the right direction. Yeah, is how I put it. Mm-hmm. But they missed the target by a mile. Yeah, you know, and I know that sounds contradictory. You know, there. The oh. good part is the good part is is as they fly into Africa. Yeah, we have super skis again, or we have spider skis again. <laughs> <laughs> if you really like this episode, let's ra- start a hashtag campaign yeah, for hashtag Spidey skis. skis. I want to see Spidey <laughs> skis in the MCU. Damn it! Like this is my request. Come on, Tom Holland, you can do this. Yeah, How, come on, come on, Russo brothers, have some balls. Russo when brothers you do this. or Mark Webb or whoever the hell is doing the directing right. over there, get your act together. All right, Feige, that's it. We just got to tweet Feige directly. Damn right? it, Feige, I want spider skis. Okay. <laughs> just keep sending this image to him every day. <laughs> every day. Let's right. do it there, Epic Crossover Well, you know, we didn't get the Thanos copter. Uh, always, that's pretty. I was a that's disappointed true. Disappointed by the, the lack of Thanos copter. You're, now you you're know. going off the beaten yeah, trail I at know. this point. All right. Anyway, <laughs> we have we're in Africa. We have some kind of uh, kind of dated uh, references to a Maasai tribe right. in Africa. Um, there, uh, it's it's not it's not great. It's not good. So so okay. How does Superman greet them? Is it Superman or Spider-Man that greets them? Uh, they both do. Well, Superman first. What does he say? He says, um, well, Superman says, I'll handle the... He says, my friend and I have come from the sky seeking two <laughs> evil men. So let's do a full stop right mm-hmm. there. All right. All right. So the Maasai in 1976 don't have any idea of the outside world, apparently. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, none at all. None at all. So... Okay, we need a course correction. Thankfully, there's been several since mm-hmm. then. But I love how the one thing that Conway <laughs> did great was uh, how one of the Maasai tribesmen who's dressed in a loincloth and has a spear yeah. and is just, oh, frick. I mean, I'm, try- I'm trying, Will. I'm no, trying. It's bad. Just, it's, it's, it's just, bad. Just go with it. It's so, bad. okay, so Dude from Roots says... <laughs> Okay, and I'm saying this with respect. Oh, I was, tra- I was I went to school in London, so I know how to speak your language. Yes, and I know who you are, I Superman. Know, of course I know who you are. And of course you came from the sky because you go up, up, and away. Right. <laughs> you know, it was just, I get what he was trying to do, but mm-hmm. man. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
So they, they Man. yeah, they end up taking him to the Maasai village where Superman and Spider-Man show off their feats of strength. Yeah, the, um, the tribal chieftain won't help them unless they show them super stuff. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> Um, and then, and then there's a really there's, he juggles like ten tribes. He, does. he throws them up in the air and juggles he's them, juggling them in a perfect circle. Yep, it's and awful. And then, of course, and then there's this regrettable panel of, please take drink with us, Superman. This is our finest oh. food, a oh. mixture of milk and cattle blood, oh. and which of course Superman and Spider Man are. Uh, no. no. Uh, We're come on. G- we good. Yeah, come on, guys. Come on, right. Superman. You've flown to like a hundred planets in the in the universe so far at this point. Come on, you've tasted off, worse. Yeah, come on. Show off that show off that iron gut, Superman. I'm afraid of a little boom boom in my super pants. Yeah, so I can't exactly. drink your cow milk and blood. So anyway, God from that point get so over yourself. We're, we're kind of at the you know, the end of, of that of this Maasai chunk. And so let me you know, yeah. I'm I'm still okay. not over this right, part. Right. Okay, I just need to outline this. So Superman is is vulnerable to kryptonite, red <laughs> sun rays, magic, and things that afflicted white people in the 1970s. <laughs> yeah, right. Okay, I okay. just wanted to make sure yeah. I got that yep. thoroughly in my yep. head space. Okay, yep. Yep. now we can he's move also, on. Yeah, his weakness he's is... Also is he's his, very his weakness, white. Yeah, his weakness is being extremely white. <laughs> it's like they would figure him out on the dance floor. It's like, that's not... He's not a human being. He's mm-hmm. from Krypton. Right. Uh, in in turn, the the Maasai do decide to help uh, kind of take them to this location that they're looking for. Once they recover from the spins of getting juggled sure. by Superman. Um, so they, they, <laughs> they fly over to Kilimanjaro and they find this secret cave. Of course there's okay. a secret cave. Yeah, of course. On Kilimanjaro. Yep. Um, and the next part's even better. Yeah, and then of this, a, another <laughs> another giant African man jumps out and attacks them. Umbaka! Yeah. <laughs> yep. Isn't it, it, the guy's name like Chaga or something like that? Nuchaga. Nuchaka. I mean, something like that. Yeah, ah, Nuchaka. It's terrible. Um, so this African warrior... Sorry I'm screaming, but Jesus, no, God. No, it's bad. It's... He, oh. He beats... He, so this African warrior beats up Nuchaka... And then starts beating up Spider-Man. Spider-Man tries to web him. Um, they find out that this guy has some kind of magical sword. Yes. Right? Yes. Um, he has Excalibur. Right. Um, <laughs> and he's, they're trying to stop him. Superman's using, like, you know, uh, heat vision. And Spider-Man's using webs to fight this warrior. They have, Nothing's working on no, him. No, they, they eventually get the beat-em-ups on right. him. Right? They, yeah. they get him. They get him subdued. Um <laughs> And really, this has nothing to do with the story at all. It's just a it's, delay of extra it's, pages it's, of fighting this this African warrior. I mean, guy. God forbid that that their guide brought them to a point where they could figure out where Lex and Doc Ock are. Right. They have to fight an empowered magical mm-hmm. tribesman mm-hmm. with a sword before they get anywhere. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's a total side quest, like in a in a uh, side scrolling or no, it's, in, it's, a, in a in a, uh, a sandbox it's RPG. Extra, it's, oh, it's, it's extra pages. It's really all it is. It's extra pages. And I just have to say again, it's a sign of the times. Right. It, it's just this is the way all comics were. And yeah, as kids, we just ate it up because it was more and more pages of fighting, and that's where all the good stuff was. 
Mm-hmm. It's right. different the action. now. Right, it's, the action. Yeah, and, and you can actually flip through. I'll be honest. I would look at every page for the Ross Andrew art and Dick Giordano's inks and the mm-hmm. colors and all that. I mean, all of that is completely worth it. Just, I mean, I love Jerry Conway, but you don't have to read this part of the book. No. Honest um, to God. And in fact, from this point on, I mean, we'll go through just a little bit, but basically... Let's go real high level yeah. on this, because we're closing in on 90 minutes, Got man. <laughs> yep. So, so from this point, essentially in this cave is like the secret hideout yes. of Lex Luthor and Doc Ock. Yeah. With, which then you find out that actually they've launched a ship and are out in space. <laughs> Okay, so now I'm sorry. We, we move into <laughs> you made me snort because I forgot that part. <laughs> yeah, so now we move into space, and, and they they did just go into space. Yeah, they're <laughs> <laughs> go ahead. I, what, what, what were you gonna go? What? I'm just saying they they go in, and it's like Lex Luthor and his Injustice Gang had branded <laughs> space shuttles. Yep. Yeah, yeah. That said on the side, <laughs> Injustice did. Gang. Yeah, I who loved took it. the time I to put it. a stencil of Injustice I Gang with an evil planet on the side? Luthor would do that. Yeah, you're Luther, right. Come but on. I mean, just, the ego, the ego. They even go to the Injustice Gang satellite, right. which. I mean, I mean, the last time it was used was in a Bronze Age JLA tale, and then the only time it had been used since was as a secret speakeasy in Identity Crisis. Nice, and that was it. I mean, it was the lamest looking satellite. Yeah, no, it's just awful. No, it's bad. Um, yeah, no, Luther's ship with the Injustice League logo or Injustice Gang logo is, is worth the price of admission. It, it was it was classic, and it, you know what? Honestly, it looked more like a Trans Am than a space shuttle. Yeah, yeah, it, you know, it looked a little more Marvel-y than I expected. I, honest to God, you yeah. Know? Um, okay, so we find out that they're in space. Okay, and they've got they've got Lois and Mary Jane there in space on the satellite on the sat on the okay. evil on the Injustice satellite, right? Um. <laughs> At this point, uh, basically, <laughs> I'm just going to keep laughing in the background. Basically, I can't they want to. Well, basically, in space, they want to take over the Comsat satellite, or they want to destroy it. Comlab. Com. Sorry. Comlab. Sorry. Yes. Okay. So that's what they're doing in space. They're trying to take control of the satellite because Comlab has powerful equipment to do communication science on it. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Uh, this is where Superman and Spider-Man decide to go to space. Superman, of course, can fly in space. It's no problem. He holds his breath. Spider-Man somehow gets another ship. And it's the identical ship just cut off so that you wouldn't see Spider-Man in a ship that said Injustice Gang on it. Right. So uh, they just, I guess Luther just left an extra ship and had it launch ready. Yeah, I I guess they had extra transorbital transams. Give it to Luther. He's smart. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I I can turn any Pontiac into a space-worthy vehicle. And and by the way, they take control of the comm lab in order to, to... do some kind of weather Well, phenomenon. to take over it because it has a super... <laughs> and will, mm-hmm. in, in our daily lives, I mean, <laughs> we have both worked. You're, you're currently working. I used mm-hmm, to work for mm-hmm. this high-tech company. Mm-hmm. And they have <laughs> an ultra-powerful communications laser on yep. it. <laughs> yep. 
And with this communications laser, <laughs> Lex Luthor is going to be able to affect global weather patterns. Dude, he, he, that's how good he is? Come on. I mean. Come on. This is, this is, what's weird is when you break it down like that, this almost feels more silver age of, of an absurd story than and that's, Bronze and, Age. And that's where I, I, I would love to talk to Jerry Conway about this one day and just, you know, find out. You know, how much of it was you getting high with like Len Wein and Marv Wolfman? Because <laughs> we Roy know that's all, and Roy Thomas, because you guys got high all the time. How much of it was that? And how much was it, of it was Julia Schwartz saying, Well, you know what we did back in my day? My, mm-hmm. Back in my day, what we did was is that we had these laser rays yeah. that could control weather. Yeah. Okay, we'll do that. Yeah, a weather man. laser's not good enough for you kids anymore? Get out of here. Yeah. A weather laser was good for <laughs> Superman 1957. It's good enough today in 77 or 76. Get the hell off my lawn. So, uh, yeah. So, the, eventually, <laughs> just to kind of sum it up. Right. Th- they're using the laser rays. Superman, Spidey, get on the... Uh, on the satellite? Well, I got to stop for just yeah. a second. Okay. 75 some odd pages yeah. was was built up right. to build up the villains, the heroes, and the supporting cast of mm-hmm. both g- companies' characters so that Superman and Spider-Man can team up to stop a l- weather ray <laughs> from orbit. Right. 100%. Wow. 100%. That's wow. It. That's it. Okay. And and pretty much the rest of the book. I feel like Al Pacino here all of a sudden. Okay. Hoo-wah. Hoo-wah. Okay. All right. The rest of the Weather book. Weather laser. Yeah. The rest of the book is literally <laughs> beat em ups on the satellite. <laughs> That's all it is. That's, well, Superman. Well, Spider, Spidey is doing the beat em ups on right. the satellite while Superman is preventing the tsunami from the 200 mile yes. long so, s- yes. tsunami the, the from weather. hitting. He goes to help the weather. Yeah, situation. he goes to fix the weather with his superpowers. I mean, mm-hmm. Zeus much? Yeah. Uh, Although I will say now, if, if and this is for, for people, if you have this book, flip over. If you flip over to page 86 in the book, uh, when Superman is flying back towards Earth, the last panel is a really great Superman it is profile. Classic panel. Superman. He, he says, "If your acts determine the fate of the world, blah blah." blah. You know, yeah. Kind of. There's this. There's. But it's dope. The, the it, art. The art is perfect. Yes, I, I love this panel. The, I mean, and and that's what's, you know, and that's sometimes this this job this this little niche podcast that we have is tough mm-hmm. because we have to see what we're doing is is that we're slogging through the hard parts so that you can get the weather hey, rays. We're people. reading. We're reading Punish <laughs> Batman. Punisher dumpster fire for you. <laughs> We're doing this is a public service, damn it. <laughs> but <laughs> I'm telling you, I, I'm telling you, you know, now that now that I have a chance to fight, because at first I was getting a little salty about having mm-hmm. to read this mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. But now I, I find that in talking to you, and this is what's great about talk to fellow yes. comics fans, is that we can talk about just the bonkers, bad-ass stuff right. that exist, existed in this period of time. Mm-hmm. It is a perfect... Again, captured in amber moment that is there for all time for you guys to read. It's great. It's great. It's so good. In in the absurdity. Yeah, it's completely bonkers. I mean, this thing is like 88 pages (laughs) of of a hostess fruit pie ad. Right, basically. You know, where they could tell a story in one page, they just did 88 of them. Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. you also get, like, you know, and and I know uh, which panel because I can see it reflected in your glasses. 
is that the um, the uh, that panel that that profile shot of Superman. I mean, there was nothing more iconic no. done at this time. I mean, no. this is this is like right up there with like the design work in the in the DC style guide by Jose Luis Garcia Lopez. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I mean, this is as no, iconic it, a mean, Superman image as you'll ever it feels, see. It feels like you mentioned before a Storenko. Yeah, it feels or even more modern, like a Steve Rude. Like yeah, talked about. Like, yeah, it feels like like it's that oh, an Alex Ross. Yeah, right. You can, not not the detail of an Alex Ross, but the same profile, if, the same line. Right. right. And if you were going to put music to this, tell me it wouldn't be the '78 Superman score <laughs> by John Williams. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Superman just he flew backwards mm-hmm. and turned the rotation of the Earth backwards for a while and turned back time. He essentially did that to the weather. Yep. And it was, and it's it's silly and it's it's inane on the surface, but when you dig in, God, this was a love letter to comics no, at the it time. Is. It is absolutely. Um, so you can't really bag. I can't. You know, yeah, I sit there and say, yeah, Roy was high the, or excuse me, Jerry was high the entire time he was he was writing this book. But damn, he was having a good time writing it. No, this was. I mean, and that's yeah. it. This this. This was the first time they met, right? Yeah. This is the first crossover. And it's great. We're going to have, we're <laughs> going to do comics. We're going to do beat em ups. We're going to do ridiculous Silver Age stuff. That's we're gonna, right. We're just going to go all out. Yeah. And, and they did. I mean, as much as, and, and really we're at the end. Basically, they stop the weather, they capture the baddies. They throw them in jail and they get back to their significant others yep. and their bosses and their civilian guys. And, and Superman and Spider Man, there's a scene of them clasping hands. They and make they, do, they do like the, 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 Schwarzenegger weathers handshake exactly. from Predator. Exactly. It's like, come on, yeah, yeah. bro. Uh. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like the meme. Yes. And it's 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 <laughs> nice. It's fun. It's a love letter to comics, as you said. And um, oh, and I just have to say at uh-huh. the end, I love that last panel of the book also mm-hmm. because it's Clark and Lois. Yes. And or it's well, I'm not sure the lineup, but it's Clark and Lois. It's Lois, and, Clark, Mary Jane, Peter. Yes. And they're all four of them arm in arm walking mm-hmm. down the streets of an almost photoreal New York City, mm-hmm. and they're going to go out and have a good dinner. Yep. Probably no. at a steak joint, and Clark's going to have some gin, and Peter's going to have a beer, and it's going to be great. And and it even and, and the last line says, and folks, this is definitely the end. Yes. <laughs> at that point, I'm thinking that you know Jerry was probably on deadline at this point. Yep. The, the weed had run out. I, I'm talking well, a lot. Who knows too if there it could have been a meta comment on the legal. Yeah, situation. it could. It re- and that's I honestly, mean, I mean, there's so many ways because you can look at look. Jerry had to write out an 88 page script when 18 to 22 pages were the norm back then. Yeah, um, Ross Andrew was doing the work of a lifetime. Right, 88 pages of art on this Treasury Edition book that cost two bucks to buy. And yeah, I bet everybody was exhausted, you know, in the in the spin up to this whole thing and the execution and getting this thing to print. I bet everybody was freaking exhausted. Yes, and they're yes. like, "We're never doing this again." Yep. <laughs> well, I mean, let's just let's just do a quick sum up here. Let's just, I mean, we talked a little bit about I, I, it. I kind of hinted at it. You know, this give, me, thing, give me the full thing. I, I'll tell you what. You know, the, look, Jerry Conway to me, because and, and as I mentioned before earlier and, and on previous episodes, I, I have always had a deeper love for DC. Mm-hmm. And 
I love those Bronze Age, the satellite era JLA, and Jerry Conway was a veteran on on that, on that book. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Len Wein was the editor for a great period of that time before New Teen Titans. And so I, I already have a, a very firm uh, grasp of, of Conway's writing style, and he only got better as time went by. And, the, and I remember soon, I want to say two or three years after this comic came out, he did a multi-issue arc with uh, George Perez mm-hmm. and where he started switching to more narration boxes instead of having the characters explain for themselves right. in JLA. And it was really the beginning of modern, the modern era of DC Comics at that point. So I definitely recommend those satellite years and, and the George Perez run and the stories of the Tornado Tyrant. All that was Conway and was fantastic. Um I'll tell you what, as much as I was exhausted by reading this comic, though, I enjoyed the hell out of it Mm -hmm. because, again, it was badass crazy. And Ross Andrew was doing the work of a lifetime on this book. And and, and Dick Giordano right there with him, as well as everybody else who pitched in, was amazing. Um, I, I feel like this was a perfectly put together comic book of its time. I think today... They could have done that same story in about half the pages. Well, I mean, you know, in 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 honest, and and let's just yeah. you know to that point, right? We episode one of our podcast, we talked about the Superman Hulk. This yep. was basically the exact same story, except essentially, it was, except yeah. it was Spider Man instead of Hulk. That's fair, right? Yeah, you know. Luther creates a double to trick them into fighting, yep. and yep. then they te- they realize they're not the bad guys, and they go after the bad guys. Which in right? in if this was like Superman meeting, I don't know, Green Lantern or the Flash or something mm-hmm. for the first time, then yeah, there would have been a fight. Right? You know, it's when superheroes meet, there's always a fight. Right. That, that's sort of like the log line. And I mean, a lot and, of these extra pages are one they 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 had they felt like they needed to introduce the yep. characters. Yep. Um, which I don't think was necessary. Honestly, yeah. um, and they just longer, longer Bronze Age beat em ups, right? Yeah. Just instead of be, being just stretching 10 pages of beat em ups that they could have done in more modern era in like three or four, right. right? Instead of, instead of you know, writing 10 pages to introduce Superman, when Superman would first appear in the story, you know, you could have it go for a couple of pages and then insert the let's take a break to show you Superman page. Mm-hmm. And then keep on again. You could do. The, you could have. They could have done this in forty-eight pages. I. I feel. I. I, I yeah. And still be a prestige I endeavor. I completely agree. But um, but for the sheer audacity of a project like mm-hmm. this, I love the book. Yeah. And, and again, it's crazy, but it's bonkers. And but I, mean, I love it. <laughs> it's, a, it's a piece of history. Man. Yeah. It's a piece of comics history. They. It. It just hadn't been done before. No, and and and, and, and let alone in treasury in large yep. size treasury format. Like, yep. and I I am a huge as I said before I'm a huge fan of the treasury format. Yep, and so sort I, of being brought back by DC's black label well, today, yeah, or only, at least that larger. Yeah, format so book. the DC black labels are magazine yes. size. Yes, yes. Um, but also you see it bring. We talked a little bit on a previous episode about X Men Grand Design, right? That's the way Ed Piscor is. Yeah. They're not full treasury. They're a little bit different proportion, but they're bigger than magazine. Exactly. They're something kind of, they're, they're like a treasury, but a little more tall. Right. Um, 
and I mean, there was a really great recently. They they released like those Grand Design books. The the Fantastic Four Grand Design yep. version just came out, and also that Silver Surfer Black. Book, oh my god, which, that, that, book that Treasury is Edition, beautiful, it's absolutely gorgeous. Yeah, it's, it's one of my favorite books of the year. Yeah, the, you know, I just had my local year. shop order that for me mm-hmm. because I totally missed the boat on that yeah. one. Oh, it's beautiful. Holy um, Moses! And just the big art, right? Yeah, you know, you I love it. Just look There's, at the big art. It it, it transforms. The, the art form a little bit. I mean, it adds something to it mm-hmm. or changes it. It's, it's, it's altering the, the everyday usage of the medium. Mm-hmm. And that's why I like to see these companies get into these magazines or the, the short treasuries or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Play with the art form. Be experimental. You know, I remember back when uh, the comics in the 90s, you know, there was a few comics that did landscape yep. orientation, you know, uh, right. along the short edge of the of the paper. Right. I want to see stuff well, the like famous, that. that famous uh, Fantastic Four issue. Yeah. 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 Right. Wasn't that in uh, in uh, Simonson's run, I think? I want to say I think you're it right. was Simonson's run. Yeah. And then they did it again. Uh, what was it? X. Force number four or something with Spider-Man, that Spider-Man crossover. I do not yeah, remember. A little bit later it. after that. I'll yeah. have to look that up yeah. myself. So There's a number of those. Yeah, they would do those side format, mm-hmm. um, the landscape format issues. And they're fun. Yeah. I, like, I like when they play with the format. Just, you know, and, and that's the thing. If, if there's supplies that are available for collectors, I think that they should play with the formats more. Yep. You know, let's let's mix it up a little bit because God knows comics can get stale quick. And this comic was anything. I'll say this. This comic book was anything but stale. Right. This was that's the true. opposite of stale. This thing, sometimes it, it tests your patience, but it is totally worth it. Most definitely. Yeah. Um. It is still a little hard to find. Um, oh. it, it, it goes for money. Yep. It's a big. It's a treasury edition. It's a. It's a big crossover. Yep. They're, you, you don't just find them sitting on a, in a in a in a back issue. Basically. And and they're not um, going to reprint this anytime no, soon. Unlikely. Highly unlikely. Yeah. Um, cool. Well, yeah. I mean, that, I don't know if there's anything else to be said. Yeah. I mean, you did a splendid job of walking us through this <laughs> as much as we could. This story was as big as King Kong. Right. I am not kidding. This thing was a Goliath. Um, which is interesting. So, one thing I want to add. Yeah. If you there's there's a thing in the back of the book that actually talks about the cover. Oh, where yeah. Where we yeah, talked yeah. a little bit about the design of yep. the cover. Yep. Um. And Carmine Infantino, according to this document, is talking about that Carmine's the one who decided he wanted that top-down view. Yeah. And requested that specifically because of King Kong. Oh, He thought wow. it was like an idea of, oh, you know... Oh, that makes King, perfect sense. It does. I didn't read that. I, yeah, I, 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 I didn't... I, didn't, I read it at the time, but I forgot about it until right now. Oh, okay. You said King Kong. I was like, oh, oh yeah. That's, did say that. That makes total sense then. Right. And so it makes that angle even more epic. Yeah. Interesting, right? Oh, oh wow. Okay. Carmen Infantino was a real genius. Oh, he's you a know? smart guy. He's oh, smart yeah. Guy. Um, Holy moly. All right. That, that, was, much, that wraps up that episode. So. I think we beat the subject to death. <laughs> <laughs> I really do. But, you know, it's the first crossover. we got to give it We got to give it some love. And honestly, so. if we were thinking, we would have done this as our first episode. Probably. Because, yeah, yeah. well. Maybe. I don't know. I like, I, I, I think you kick it off with a good one. I, you know? I think I you're think, right. I think we're good there. But um, next episode. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So this this is a gym request. Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, yes. You want to tell us? You want to tell us what I, we're doing? Well, I kind of teased before. I like me some George Perez. Oh, man. I love George Perez. And uh, 
What year did that come out? Uh, this is a uh, 2003. 2003. So it's later. It's a little later. It, it's Perez. later Perez. It's it's computer color, early computer coloring mm-hmm. Perez. Mm-hmm. But it is to me what I believe is the mother of all crossovers. Now, granted, I hype the crap out of X Men New Teen Titans, mm-hmm. but this crossover almost happened right after the X Men New Teen Titans. Uh, right. And right. got scuttled because of intercompany in, intercompany bickering, only to to come back when really the comics industry was just coming out of its lowest point. Mm-hmm. And that is, I, I'm I'm through building it up. Let's just put it out there. It is JLA Avengers. Yep. Is written by Kurt Busiek. Mm-hmm. Is pencil always a solid writer. Always a solid writer. And and I'll tell you what. They cover, and I just want to say again, the master illustrator, George Perez, who is, you know, who's just gone into semi-retirement, I mm-hmm. think is the fair way to put yeah. it. Like he stopped taking commissions recently and yeah. things like that. Um, he's earned his retirement. Yep. But this this gentleman, to me, is is one of, if not the first head that you would put on the Mount Rushmore of artists, just in my world. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I love, you know, and that's, that's the conversation for next time. But, yeah. I mean, but that's it, interesting. I don't know if I would put him there. Yeah. And but, that's fair. That's totally yeah. fair. He's just, he's one of these guys. I think though, if you, if I summed it up as DC artists, most definitely. Well, you should be f- more familiar with some of his 70s Marvel work. Yeah, you know? I mean, there's some. I'm just saying it's not my favorite. Yeah, no, right? that's fair. That's totally fair. Mm-hmm. But I just, I love George Perez, and Will has indulged me, so we are going to be covering JLA Avengers. Yep, this is a, what, a five-issue series? Four. Four-issue series? It was prestige issues. I think they were five ninety five an issue in, okay. two, in 2003. Um, so... <laughs> This would be a much more. I think they'd be almost ten bucks a book now if they right. were if they were right. produced. Um, I think the story is just as bonkers as what we have gone over mm-hmm. in this one, and I would probably expect a longer episode. Cool to cover all the good stuff in there, and I I, I hope you guys will like it because I, I just want to express my, yeah. Well, JLA Avengers is one of the the newer crossover, newer in the sense like not the original chunk of crossover exactly, right? and but like post two thousand right yeah yeah yeah. Like, that's kind of the, the the breaking point, and it's it's one of generally people are. People speak highly. Oh, right? yeah. It, you don't hear a whole lot of disparaging remarks about it. You know. um, you, I mean, you talked a little bit about the coloring. The coloring is probably the weakest part of the whole book. Again, um, you know, it's one of those It's one of those products of the time. Right. You know, and, where and everything a, that, had yeah, that. It's more of a technological problem exactly. than it is a story or an art problem. Yep. Yep. Exactly. Um, cool. So we'll go yeah. into that next time. So uh, let us know what you think. Okay. And um, uh, make sure that you get yourself a nice frosty beverage and maybe some peanuts <laughs> or some pretzels. Sit back, relax, and enjoy a couple of friends just hashing it over about comics. We're going to have a great time about it. Uh, Jim. Yes. Tell the people where they can find you. Oh, well, you can find me here at 1298. No, I'm... Oh, don't do that. (laughs) What the... God... Damn it, Mason. Okay, so that's that's the worst potty mouth I dropped on this episode. Yeah, I, don't, I don't know about that, but that's all right. I'm pretty sure. Okay, <laughs> you can go back and listen to it. Um, anyway, where can you find me? You can find me on the internet. Mm-hmm. The internet is this thing made of tubes. No, I'm sorry. That's a very old joke. Anyway, 
You can find me on Twitter. Let's just let's just cut the crap. Find me on Twitter j- at Jimmers with three M's. Find me on Instagram, which I am looking at again, but not really doing anything with it. Jimmers with five M's, and on Facebook. Find me under Jim Mason. That's right. And uh, you can find me. Uh, I talk comics on Twitter most of the time. If you search for Golden Boy Photo 1, you'll find me. You'll find it listed 100% comics. Uh, I mostly just talk comics on there. Uh, I it's am on, safer. Yeah. I'm, I'm yeah. not as smart as you. I talk about too many difficult things. <laughs> well, I talk about difficult things, but not as much on Twitter. Yeah. Mostly on other places. It's safer. Um, I do have a Facebook page as well. If you search for 100% comics, you can find that. Um, but yeah, really reach out to us. Twitter's probably the best place. If Absolutely. You wanna, if you want to chat, you want to, you have some suggestions or some ideas or some feedback, let us know. Yeah. Or you know, you, we if take there's a certain, if there's a certain crossover that you live and die from, let me know. Yeah. We would love, hey, we still have an open invitation. Anybody who throws out a book that they want covered mm-hmm. that we have not covered yet. I can almost guarantee you we will cover it. That's right. And we'll, we'll move it up. In fact, we do our, our episode after the next one yeah. was a, a fan request. So there uh, you go. So let us know if there's something that you want to hear. Okay. All right, Jim. Hey. Are you ready to go? I'm ready to get out of here. All right, guys. We'll see you next time. And until then, read more comics. Read more comics.